What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Coffee and Band Chats on the Out of Collective Network. My name is John Kroom. If you haven't already, please make sure you hit that subscribe button. Leave us a review as it helps us out quite, quite a bit. Um, and yeah, if this is your first time coming to the podcast, thank you so much for listening. And uh, it's much, much appreciated. And uh, hopefully you'll you'll enjoy this and want to hang out for even longer. But anyways, let's go ahead and dive into this week's episode. And that this week's episode is with Russell Finsterwald. Russ is a pro mountain biker here in Colorado Springs. And I've been trying to get him on the podcast for quite some time now. So I'm super stoked to get him on the podcast, sit down, chat, and and just kind of get to, you know, pick his brain a little bit. Um, you know, usually we just get the opportunity to ride the group ride together. And uh, I know that he's like one of the best mountain bikers in the country. And, uh, you know, won many national titles, uh, been in World Cups, uh, what was it, like sixth place, I think, last year at Leadville, first time, first time around. Um, you know, he, he's putting in the time, but anyways, we sit down and we chat a little bit about this, uh, uh, lifetime grand prix, kind of what that looks like. We definitely dive into Leadville. I'm, I'm curious, you know, we, we figure out his bike setup, you know, his goals. Um, somebody's shooting for a record this weekend. It's not Russ, but somebody's shooting for a record this weekend. And, uh, yeah, we just, we just kind of pick, pick each other's brains and we, uh, shoot the shit for whatever, you know, 30, 40 minutes. And, uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun. But uh, anyways, enough of me just chatting. Let's dive into this week's episode with Russ. But first, let's hear a quick message from the sponsors. And guys, back for another episode of Spot Insurance in a world where accidents are inevitable, but with injuries come uncertainties and the over-the-top medical bills and out-of-pocket expenses, which usually end up hurting even worse, Spot Insurance has got you covered. They work with companies like the Icon Pass, Taos, USA Cycling, Red Bull Last Stand, and more include Spot's injury coverage as a benefit with their products. So for all you skiers and riders out there, you've got choices when you're hitting the mountains. Make sure you find that choice that covers you with spot because it's a lot easier when you know somebody's got your back. If you're interested in spot with your season passes or your lift tickets this season, go to outofbounds.getspot.com and make sure that you are covered when you're out on the mountain. That's outofbounds.getspot.com dot get spot.com that's out of bounds dot get spot.com also back for another episode guys we've talked about them before at sierra nevada guys if you don't have a hazy little thing in your hand right now i'll give you 10 seconds to just go do that okay that was enough time you should have you should now have a hazy little thing in your hand you should be smiling and you should be prepped for this podcast. But if you're not familiar with Sierra Nevada, make sure you go to sierranevada.com. Go check out all their seasonal beers as well as their OG beers, which the OG that is my favorite is got to be the Sierra Nevada Pale Ale. So make sure you go check them out at sierranevada.com or go to your local liquor store and just say, hey, where the hell's the Sierra Nevada? And they'll get you hooked up. I'm, I'm sure of it. Everybody's got it. So go check it out. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Coffee and Van Chats on the Out of Collective Network. I'm sitting here with Russ Finsterwald. We just got done smashing some K's this past weekend. And honestly, the last two weekends, we've been putting down putting down the miles. But he's getting ready for Leadville, and I'm just watching him get ready for Leadville. But anyways, <laughs> Russ, how's it going, dude? Good. Good to see you, man. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like you mentioned, we've been putting in some miles here, banging bars on the group ride past yeah. few weekends. Always a good time. 
Yeah, that's always a good so, time for sure. And it's always yeah. it's always cool in Colorado Springs because you like you bring this like mix of people together. Like, you know, like, for example, like the Volo kids have showed up, you know, I mean, right. back in the day, Danny Pate used to show up. We used to have the team pursuit camps, you know, Keegan's shown up every once in a while. Right. And so you never <laughs> know who's going to show up on the uh, the infamous world championship Saturday ride. Yeah. You never Colorado know Springs. how much of a throwdown it's going to be like. Some weeks you go out and you're like, oh man, this is going to be a rough one when you see like 10 hitters show up and you're like, yeah, yeah, probably trained a little too hard into this. And then, yeah, some weeks you're the one instigating it out there. So it's fun. I love the group ride. Like, I guess I've been doing that really since I was like 13 years old. So, no, um, yeah. And let's dive cool. into that. Like, it's just like dive into your career, man. I mean, like, like I said, when we got onto this, like, you, I think you've kind of come up through the sport where it's like, it used to be results based. And then like, you've seen this sport evolve from like this results totally. based sport and then into this social media driven sport. I mean, you've, you've kind of seen it all. So like, where do you get started? How do we find you into mountain bikes? Like, yeah. How does that all work? Yeah, I guess, um, really I started mountain biking, um, at the age of probably around 10 to 12, somewhere in there is when I really started getting into it. Um, yeah. at first I used to just ride around the neighborhood with friends and then eventually you venture out far enough and you discover this world of single track and stuff. And you're like, um, just start riding it. Um, I stumbled yeah. across the shoots one day and was like, Oh man, <laughs> this, this is cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, road till dark and had to get a ride home by some random neighbor <laughs> oh, wow. in the area. Cause I was just having too much fun and all of a sudden it was dark. Um, yeah. so yeah, really I fell in love with mountain biking, um, in the hills of Colorado Springs where I still train for the most part um ripping captain jacks all that kind of stuff um and yeah never really like at first wanted to be a professional or anything like just yeah. wanted to ride my bike and have fun um but then i got into the racing side of things we had nationals here in colorado and i won um that as a junior in both cross country and short track and was like maybe i'm all right at this maybe i should pursue it a little more and um yeah since then um been making it the goal to really race professionally and um, feel lucky to have been able to do so for so long now. No, yeah, that's sick, man. And like, kind of how does it work? Cause like, I mean, you've kind of always been this quote unquote, like what we call privateer. Right. And like, you've kind of, and there wasn't really ever a name for it. It was just like, yeah, I kind of run my own program, but like there was times where you rode for like Orbea and like, now you're on specialized. And so like, have you always just kind of been kind of freelanced and worked with sponsors and like marketed yourself or like how did you how do you do that um a little bit um i'd actually say most of my career i've been on teams okay um so the first four years i raced on the subaru gary fisher program yeah yeah um, which is now trek factory racing okay um so as a junior basically getting those results at nationals um they gave me a spot on the team and i raced that as a u23 um, and once I went out of the U23 years, um, I moved on to SRAM TLD racing. Um, the first year of that program, I would say it was more privateer looking from the outside, um, yeah. but it was fully backed by SRAM, um, factory support and all that. Um, and it sort of grew into a team. We brought on Todd Wells the second year. Um, and I was on that program for four years and then, yeah, that team fell apart and that's i would say when <laughs> i did have a bit of a privateer year and that's when i really realized how tough it is to put stuff together in the industry like yeah it's it's hard out there and that's when i realized like there's a lot of value to social media these days it's not all results based and for sure um it's def like i would honestly say like the social media side of things is something that 
I struggle with a little bit. Like I'm yeah. not super into it. <laughs> yeah. You don't have um, your own hashtag yet or something. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess Myron's made one. It's thanks yeah. to Fondo. That's what he calls the apex. So Hell yeah. So <laughs> that's about it. But yeah. um, yeah, no, like, um, and it's been cool to see. Cause like, obviously social media, it's this whole new thing. Um, it didn't, it didn't exist when I started riding bikes to you. Yeah. There was no, twitter there was no facebook definitely no instagram yeah um kind of makes me feel old nowadays but <laughs> for sure for sure yeah and it's funny like getting some of these guys on here like you know i mean because you've guest ridden for teams like even at like the tour of colorado or the tour of utah or what, what? Utah, yeah. yeah i mean you you got in a pretty bad crash there too right? yeah that was like, no we'll, good. we'll dive yeah. into that in a bit but like you know you've kind of you've kind of like done a little bit of it all i mean i met you at a track camp Right. Which I don't even know how you ended up there or what <laughs> was going on and what was going through your head there. But like, you know, you've like I said, man, you've kind of been in this sport long enough to kind of see it all. And so like with with that being said, you know, you you kind of found your way back home into this, you know, gravel, dirt, you know, mountain bike lifestyle. And it finds you into Lifetime Grand Prix. Right. Um, and so specialized the team you're riding for, it was, a that's a team, right? Is it a team or is it like, yep. Um, a little so our, privateer kind of yeah, thing? Yeah, it's a team. Um, we're called specialized off-road. Um, yeah. and we have a mechanic, Chris Mathis. I have a teammate, um, Sophia, um, yeah. who's also racing the lifetime series. Um, and yeah, it's been awesome. Like specialized has given us so much support this year as we like, this is kind of all of our first years really diving into the world of gravel and figuring that all out and they've been so helpful and like letting us dial in our equipment like i probably asked for six different stems as i figure out my position on the gravel bike and all yeah. that and like just making it happen so um having the team support for this year has been huge just because every race we're doing is so different like you look at unbound that's a nine and a half hour race 200 miles and then in september we're racing schwam again which is an hour and a half so yeah um it's just been like figuring out all these different little puzzles to make sure you're dialed for the next race. Well, you also have these just like random hitters coming in too at certain races, right? right. Like, yeah. Know, like unbound, you have these random guys that aren't a part of the series that are literally trying to win unbound, you know, Leadville, the same thing, steamboat, the same thing. And so there's like these mini series, a part of like every single race, all a part of one big series, which is kind of nuts to me. And then you're also trying to race, you know, nationals and, you know, other races that aren't a part of that lifetime GP, you know? Yeah, definitely. So, and it, it has been a little weird having those different people jumping into the mix at different races, but um, I really think just the best way to approach all of them is like, you have to race for the win no matter what. Um, yeah. So it doesn't really so much matter who's there. Like I'm not really racing with lifetime Grand Prix in mind so much as I am just doing the best I can at each of those individual races. And I feel like that's, what's going to set you up well for the series anyways, racing with that mentality. Yeah. Um, so it, yeah, it's, it's cool having new faces jump into the mix. It changes the dynamic of the races a little bit. Um, but at the end of the day, like you're still just out there to race for the win really. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I don't think I don't, I don't really, I mean, cause what even Keegan, who's part of the lifetime, I mean, he's second and unbound. Yep. Um, I mean, it, it's like, they're always up there, so it's not like it's totally. really affecting the race too, too much. Um, but I guess it can affect the current race in the current moment, which is like an overall omnium. But anyways, um, so I guess that all being said, so when did you like kind of make this transition? Cause like, you know, you, you seem to be on these teams. And I mean, you, 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 you started this as a kid. So I'm assuming you had Olympic ambition. So like, or did you, 
like, was there any ever Olympic ambition or world championship ambition or any of that? Yeah, you know, um, I wouldn't say I had huge Olympic aspirations at first because I honestly didn't know mountain biking was part of it for a long time. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then when I was on Trek Factory Racing um, in 2012, we did a World Cup in the UK. Um, yeah. Some of the riders who were going to be who are on that team were candidates for the Olympics, and we went to the test event there and rode the course and stuff. And I was like, oh man, this is cool. Like, yeah, it'd be sweet to go to the mountain biking for the Olympics. Um, and yeah, after that, it became a goal for a while. Um, and I basically raced more World Cups with the national team, um, primarily through, let's see, I think I sort of switched away from that in, I'd say, 2018, roughly. Yeah. Um, that's sort of when I realized, like, maybe this World Cup thing, I'm not cut out for it. Um, you just chase it for so long. And um, I think, like, my best result was, like, 30th in a World Cup. Um, so, like... And honestly, like, I'm kind of proud of that result. Those yeah. races are so gnarly. Like, if you've never done one, you're everyone is so strong and you're just fighting tooth and nail for every position. Like, if you want to move up one spot, you have to do 500 watts to get by someone. Like, you're just fully pinned. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's a different beast. And um, I think my riding style, I'm better at, I just have like that diesel engine where I, maybe I can't do 350 watts for an hour and a half, but I can do. 340 for three hours or something like just a hair yeah, below yeah. That world cup pace um and i think that's what's really suited me well as i've sort of transitioned into these more marathon races and longer gravel races is that i feel like i have the engine for them um so that's that's kind of why i stopped doing the world cups um i mean you racing 30th over in europe like that doesn't bring much value to sponsors either so there's also yeah. that component to it like um if you can't bring much value to your sponsors you're not gonna have a job for a long time for sure um so um yeah sort of i feel like north american um off-road racing right now is in a pretty good spot with the way gravel's on this uphill trajectory and um i think marathon mountain biking is in a pretty good spot um so that's sort of what i've decided to focus on and um it's what i have the most fun doing because the training for it means just long days in the saddle which is my favorite types of rides less vo2 intervals yeah um so i really enjoyed it um, from that point of view. So what, like, and then like, how do we find you at, what was it? Tour Utah. And then like, how do I find you at a track camp? Like what yeah. was like going through your head for those yeah. aspects of things? You know, I, like I like new experiences and yeah. I'm not one to shy away from trying new things. Like I just love riding my bike and, um, want to try it in different ways. So, um, pursuit camp I did with you basically I think someone had bailed out last minute and um Jim Miller needed someone to fill in for it and I was like sounds like a good training camp to me I'll come give it a crack um yeah I wasn't trying to like race as a pursuit rider or didn't really want to do anything on the track but I just wanted to try it um yeah and I was like if anything like worst case this is a good training block and it it was <laughs> yeah so yeah. it was it was hard just I think we did like what was that 10 days of double days basically or pretty days. pretty much yeah and it yeah. was like all track sessions and no, yeah and you were riding the road still even i think i think you were still putting in k's on the road a bit yeah a little bit for sure because i yeah. think i had tour utah coming up as you mentioned um, yeah and so then how did you find yourself into that <laughs> um well i randomly jumped into the i don't know if you remember we had the oat roots that came to the u.s for a bit yeah yeah yeah, yeah. um so i randomly jumped into one of those for a training block as well um ended up which that was like more of a grand fondo type event but i ended up winning that um and just met the team manager for an australian team and they happened to have an invite for tour utah 
he checked out my power numbers and was like, yeah, let's do it. So, um, kind of got thrown into the deep end a little bit there, I'd say, but, yeah, yeah. um, it was a good experience. Um, yeah, yeah a good experience. I'd say still in the end, even though I crashed out, um, on stage four, yeah. um, just, we were guttered and, um, there was a storm drain and someone moved out last minute and I had nowhere to go. So just front end into the storm drain Ooh. and just got sent going 35, 40 miles an hour. <laughs> yeah. That just um, had yeah because you like fucked your face up pretty good and like yeah my face took the brunt of the impact <laughs> yeah <laughs> just like full over the bars on your face um jeez so that was a bit of a scary experience that was my first time going to the icu um basically oh, like i was never unconscious but i don't really remember much of it yeah i sort of regained consciousness as i was like in the ambulance going to the highway um so oh, no. or going to the hospital not the highway yeah um, yeah but yeah, it was, I mean, it was crazy. Like you're in your spandex suit and they roll you into the ICU and they don't know if you have a traumatic brain injury or anything at that point. So you like, you have 12 people swarm you and they're all yelling this stuff, cutting everything off you. You got IVs going in you instantly and they're doing all these x-rays. Like it was intense and you're just like glued in the hospital bed. Like, so did you, I mean, what's did, happening? so was it just like, ah, fuck it. Like I got this opportunity to do tour Utah. I could turn into something or were you just like. Uh, it's training training for what i want to do or was there like you know hey maybe i could do the road like maybe there's yeah some definitely like i think race after racing that um oat route i was like man it's i like stage races it's cool just yeah. going all new places and stuff um and obviously that year was the year i was kind of on a bit of a privateer setup in between teams um uh, so you were kind of open-minded yeah i was open-minded i was like I, I know there's more money to be made on the road right now so um i should see if this is worth pursuing see if i like it um and then i mean luckily ultimately next year i got a pretty good offer to be on the cliff pro team and didn't really need to pursue racing on the road um yeah. but yeah definitely at that time in the moment i was like i just want to keep racing my bike so i'm gonna see what different avenues will let me do that <laughs> yeah and so how did like how did the specialized thing come about like because it's like it's uh, like you're you're professional man like you're like one again you're one of the best mountain bikers in the country i knew that before i even physically met you uh -huh. because i knew who you were right and so like you came to this track camp and i'm just like what's this professional mountain biker doing but you know so how does how does like you know, how did the thing happen with specialized? Was it just like somebody reached out to you and was like, yo, we're going to start this team. We're going to start this project and it's going to be gravel. And uh -huh. you know, hopefully you get into this lifetime GP. Cause to my knowledge, to my knowledge, there was no special treatment on that GP selection. Right. Like, yeah. To definitely. what I know, like, and, and yeah, maybe they favored some of the good guys, but for sure. But like at the end of the day, like that's what we want. <laughs> we yeah. want those guys racing. Right. But like, yeah. I would have said that I felt like you, I mean, there was one guy that missed out on it. What's his name? Mountain biker. You know who I'm talking Standish? about? Standish, no. Ryan. Standish is one of them. Who's another one? Uh, there was, um, there was, they did a whole article on it where he Kabush? felt like Kabush. Yeah, Kabush. yeah. Yeah. He felt like he got duped because of his social media. Yeah. <laughs> and, and like you kind of, I remember talking to you about it and you were kind of nervous about possibly yeah. not getting in because yeah. of your social media. Definitely. And so, like how do you how did that like come about with specialized was it like yeah we're gonna if you get in great if you don't get in you're done or like was it was it all kind um, of pre-planned you know what i mean like yeah like because so, you kind of like that stuff had to come together pretty early yeah so actually a lot of us when i was talking to specialized initially the lifetime grand prix wasn't there were kind of rumblings that there might be this series next year yeah but none of us really knew for sure what was going to happen and didn't know what it was going to entail so 
Um, actually, when I was talking with Specialized there, we didn't even mention the Grand Prix because we didn't know it existed. Um, okay. And I'd actually signed with Specialized before Lifetime really announced the series in its full capacity. Okay. Um, so none of it was contingent on getting into Lifetime or anything like that. Okay. Um, but yeah, like I was pretty nervous when I applied for it because like a lot of the questions they asked, I could tell they were definitely like asking for more like what kind of like they were asking for more like influencer type questions like for sure um and what's I your just, story <laughs> yeah i just don't really do a lot of that stuff so yeah um i was like well hopefully like i won marathon nationals like hopefully that'll get me in yeah um, and i did leadville last year um and did all right so i was banking more on the results side of it and hopefully maybe that's what got me in i don't know <laughs> yeah um but yeah i felt really lucky to get in obviously like only 30 of us made it and it's i think there were it was definitely a 50 50 kind of pool yeah for sure (laughs) there's definitely like there's definitely some social media aspect to it right there's definitely the other side of yeah but like even i talked with keegan about it and even keegan was like he's probably the best cyclist in north america right now other than like a few of the world tour guys like seth and for those guys and he was nervous about getting in so (laughs) yeah um like we took the application super serious and spent a lot of time on it. Um, so hopefully just that we showed we were into it and we were going to dedicate our season to it. And yeah, um, we wanted to come out and win it if we could. <laughs> and so is there any like, cause I think this is good for like people listening. Like, you know, is there any, there wasn't any financial support. Like it was like, if you got in, you were in, but you, you kind of had to figure out how you're getting all these events. And yeah, I mean, right. Getting in, didn't even get you a free entry. You still had to pay the, it was just a guaranteed lottery entry. Yeah, right? you're basically guaranteed a start spot and um, part of the series. Um, I think it's all together. The entry fees are like twelve hundred or thirteen hundred bucks to do all of them. So you basically lifetime said pay this by this date and you're in, <laughs> which is actually so, oddly cheap. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like if you think because it's twenty five events, right? No, no, it's only six events. Oh, it's only six. Oh, I thought yeah, it was yeah. 25 events. And yeah, maybe no, I'm that'd, just... be, that'd be good bang. For yeah, the yeah, I was like 1200 bucks for 25 events, but I guess 1200 yeah. bucks, it's like $200 an event. event. Yeah. I mean, Leadville alone, I think I paid when I did Lead Boat, I did, it was $700. Yeah, yeah, you know, steep. It was, it was yeah. a steep one. So, yeah. but okay, so diving in to Leadville, that's that's where I'm really stoked to have you on the podcast. Uh, you were You were my... I was cheering for you. I was rooting for you last year. You know, uh-huh, I, like, I feel, I feel, I feel close to you. I feel like we train and literally we train only on Saturdays. And so, <laughs> um, and so, uh, but yeah, what's the plan this year, dude? Like, I mean, can you, can you give some of that details? This will get released on Thursday, the Thursday before Leadville. So you uh-huh. might need to hold some back. Yeah. But, uh, but I mean, we saw you and Keegan, like we, I remember even talking about this on the podcast with, was it Ryan Standish or something? Yeah. We were talking about you guys doing like, 40 hour fucking weeks in Tucson yeah. at just like steady fucking endurance pace for yep. <laughs> you know, six or seven weeks in a row. Yeah. So like, what is that like? What's that looking like for you? Yeah. You know, um, I've talked with Keegan about it. He wants to go for the record this year. Okay. Um, What's that just for, the- uh, I, I believe it's like five fifty eight. Okay. He was, and he was six eleven last year. Okay. So I know it's going to be like a pretty, fucked race this year like it's gonna be hard from the gun <laughs> yeah <laughs> um okay. so like just like i've been going in with that mindset like it's gonna be six hours of like on the gas um and i know like 
Keegan's pace when he's wants to get shit done in six hours, like it's going to be hard. So, um, <laughs> you know, to like, I think like to my advantage, like I just need to sit on his wheel. He's the one who yeah. has to do the work if he wants the record. Um, yeah. it's kind of going in with that tactic a little bit. Like yeah. I'm not doing more work than I need to. If you want the record, you got to go get it. Um, yeah. but at the same time, like kind of keeping lifetime in mind too. Um, second in the series there right now. So Cole, Lexi, Rob Britton are all close to me. Um, yeah. so I kind of need to keep them in check and um, not work too hard to like, with that in mind, like don't blow yourself up trying to beat those guys, but um, kind of got to beat those guys. <laughs> For sure. So. Yeah. And, and like, I have, I have this POV of Leadville cause I did it last year, but I did it in the red corral, which is just one corral behind gold. Okay. And so I didn't get to witness like, what that looks like two minutes ahead of me like we we're different in the sense that like we've already a lot of us have real there's like three or four people that have this weird thought process that they think they're going to catch you guys okay. like they're going to just close two minutes and they're going to catch you guys but yeah. there's a lot of us have realized that we we just have the big belt buckle in mind and however well, fast we do that we do that you know it's yeah, really under nine hours ride, at that point ride yeah steady we, all day we all just ride together we ride steady and it's actually really nice if you're wondering yeah. <laughs> um and so what i'm getting to is i'm trying to when does shit start to hit the fan like what does it look like because you've done leadville one time yep. you did it in the gold crowd yep. what does leadville look like at the front of the bunch because like for us you know it's we all I, you know, most of my athletes, I tell them about Keevans. It's like, Hey, make sure you're in a good position. Cause people will start to come unclipped or whatever. Like right. that shit doesn't happen with you guys. And so yeah. like, when are people attacking? Is it like from the gun, like on the road sections or like, are people no. like, because you know how like unbound it's like, yeah, a lot of people are like, dude, we got 10 hours to go. If you want to ride up the road, be my guest. Yeah. But yeah, like, it's a, it's a little bit like that. Like we definitely roll out of town pretty chill. Like yeah talking to everyone how's your morning going and yeah yeah um just like the little chit chat um and basically yeah you get to st kevin's and you start breathing hard a little bit there like we're riding tempo up the climb like you start yeah. to hear guys coming off a little bit but it's it's not full on yet and then you hit that pavement downhill sort of by turquoise lake and work your way over to sugarloaf yeah um sugarloaf's where like the first fireworks start going really um, is that because they know power lines coming up you think yeah, it's just a good place to spread it out. Like that climb's so rocky, you're not getting yeah. much of a draft. Um, so if you are the one, if you're riding 400 watts at the front, basically the guy behind you is getting no draft, so he's working just as hard. Um, yeah. So tactically, it's a good place to start riding pretty hard and um, turn the screws on people. Yeah. Um, last year, Keegan was the first one into there, and he he said he just rode as hard as he could um, to try really? to get rid of everybody. So like, I mean, I was back there just glued. Like, I shouldn't be going this hard at altitude, but. <laughs> <laughs> it, this is the race like yeah. if you lose this group you're screwed so you yeah. have to go all in in the moment um but yeah so like sugarloaf it's pretty full on and then um obviously down pipeline um it's a good place just to use your mountain bike skills if you have some gravel racers with you um yeah. so like um pete got taken off the back there last year um and once we hit the pavement we saw pete was gone and we're like We'll try to keep it like that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so no, for sure. Like on the pavement, we were riding a pretty good tempo for a while to try to keep others who got dropped on the downhills off. Um, but yeah, like, and then really the big firework is, I would say, Columbine. Um, is it? Okay. Basically in between Powerline and Columbine, um, no one really wants to go super hard. Um, I'd say yeah. like we're working as a group pretty well. Because riding. you can utilize the draft so well between that. Yeah, totally. It's pretty flat. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we're just rolling at like 280, 300, somewhere in there. If you're on the front, 
Yeah. Um, and then once you get to Columbine, that's when it's a full on race again. Um, last year I was riding 420 Watts at the bottom. Um, and like, Jesus. I knew I couldn't do it for an hour, but you like, just need to hold that group as long as you can. Um, yeah. and then eventually I got dropped. I think I was seventh or so at the top of Columbine. Um, yeah. and luckily an hour long climb means you have a long downhill. Um, so I just went full send on the downhill and was able to make it. I passed two guys and got to within 20 seconds of the Keegan Howard Lachlan group. Yeah. But then I was just kind of stuck in no man's land chased for a little bit, hoping those front guys would sit up. Um, but realized they were working hard together and I wasn't going to make it. Um, well that's, and that's also a scary descent for, I would think yeah. for the gravel guys as well, because you're, you're, we talked about this on the ride. It's like, you're crossing two paths of traffic at that point. Yeah. You have the two way traffic and like, yeah. if you to go as fast as you can down that downhill, you want to use the whole road, but you yeah. can't, you're limited to basically using half of it because you have, I don't know how many people do Leadville 2000 or so. Well, and you also have people popping out like yeah, exactly. in, um, <laughs> on using the whole road to climb, right? Because right. they're passing people and whatever else. And so, um, yeah, I mean, for us, I think power line is where shit really starts to hit the fan for our, our group, because, oh, okay. you know, like at this point, you know, you are with, you're with who you're with at that point. It's really, you're right. battling yourself. And so when you get to power line, like, you know, for most of the people that are listening to this, that have done Leadville, they don't ride the entirety of power line. Do you ride the entirety of power line? Uh, yeah. Yeah, savage. And so I mean, it's not easy. Like, yeah, I'm in my easiest gear and I'm going yeah. basically as hard as I can. Yeah. And it's like you're just barely making it. But yeah, we're most of us are, I'd say the top 10 are able to ride it. Yeah. But um, it, not every year. I've seen videos of like, um, I think Alex Howes had to run it one year. And um, yeah. the funny thing is, like, most of the guys in the top 10, we use road shoes for Leadville. Oh, do you? But, yeah. Okay. So you really don't want to get off and run if you don't have to road shoes yeah aren't as good <laughs> yeah um but and so let's say you do let's say you do come off and you made that comment like came off at, at combine and you know you, you pass a few people you're trying to get back up to that group when is it like okay they're they're gone like is it do you need to catch them before power line like or do you need to be on the the wheels before power line or is it like is there still hope from post power line and for people that don't know i i think power line is one of the hardest climbs of leadville I think, I think so too, for sure. I think, I think Columbine is hard, but it's hard in a different way. It's just long. I think yeah. power line is a bitch because you've just done Columbine. Does that yeah. make sense? And it's, you're just so, you're <laughs> yeah. so late in the legs or so yeah. late into the race. You have nothing left in your legs. Like, yeah, you're still two hours from the finish, but like you just come around the corner, you see this wall and you're like, I got to go up that. <laughs> yeah. And then and it's like, just, it's fucked. And yeah. it's like, I just like, I it's can almost as much of a mental battle as it is a physical battle. Cause you see it, you're tired. You're like, I don't want to do this. Yeah. The cramps, the cramps are settling in. It's just, you know, yeah, you, you like, I, for a guy like me, like, you know, I think for guys like you too, like you had aid stations planned out and like, right. After, after, after twin lakes, I'm not stopping really. Like I'm, uh -huh. I'm done stopping. So, what does that look like for you guys? Are you taking hand ups in every fucking? Yeah, we the front group we don't stop at all. Yeah. Um, we just take hand ups. Just take hand ups. Yeah. So okay. Um, basically, just take a. I think we can get four feeds out there basically. So just take a water yeah. bottle at each one, um, and with a gel strapped to it. Um, and I'll probably hit a monster before pipeline. Um, okay. or before power line, I'll take it at pipeline on the way back just to. I just find getting like tons of carbs in you right away those have 50 grams of carbs in them bunch of yeah. caffeine like gets you amped for the climb a little bit like 
if you're hurting a little bit, it definitely like brings you back to life another level. So yeah, um, just like hitting something that like has a high concentration of carbs, caffeine. Are you, race. are you planning your carbohydrates out? Like, are you listing like, I need to be taking in this much an hour or is it just like a free for all at this point? Like, I know like you just kind of like, know, like, okay, I need a bottle with some carbs. It really doesn't matter how much, like, are you like going, I need 50 an hour. Or I'm going to be fucked. Yeah, no, I, um, definitely like that's part of my pre-race plan is, um, I basically each hour have exactly what I need to take nutrition wise. Um, yeah. I, I aim for a hundred to 120 grams of carbs per hour. Oof. Um, so like, I mean, just cause you're like on the gas the whole time. So like you for sure putting fuel in the engine. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, but it, that's a lot of, um, carbs to be taking in. I do most of it through drink mix. Um, yeah. but yeah, like I plan to take as much as I can. Um, there is a certain point where like, you don't want to eat or drink anymore. And that's where it's helpful to take like a monster or something. Cause you get 50 grams in just one, one foul swoop. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. it's a little bit more diluted too, for some reason, like taking in a Coke versus, or, or a monster versus a, you know, 50 grams of Gatorade or whatever gel or that you're trying to take in. It just hits a little different. So yeah. Like it's still carbonated, but it's a lot yeah, yeah. lightly carbonated and, yeah. I don't, I don't use the like OG monsters, the green ones. I, I like the pipeline punch. <laughs> oh yeah. Okay. So, yeah. That's kind of my go-to, but there's a all few right. good flavors. You got to try them all out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, no, for sure. Yeah. For sure. Um, and so, and so, yeah, so you have this like whole plan. And so I guess, yeah, going back to that, like with, I, I don't know if we ever answered the question, but like, is there a moment where you're just like, okay, they're gone. Like, cause you're probably getting splits called back to you a little bit, right? Were you at all or no? not really there's just not many people out there like really the only time i got a split was at pipeline on the way back uh -huh. um and you know like yeah there's definitely which is a hard section if you're by yourself because it's yeah it's just flat <laughs> and so if you're not if you're by yourself and those guys are working well together like yeah, there's no chance there's to no really chance bring them yeah. back um so yeah once i was actually realized i wasn't going to make it back to those three um, Pete and Payson were chasing and they were, I could see they were only like 15 seconds back. Um, so I just waited for them, like just soft pedaled for a little bit. Um, yeah. just cause like, you know, how advantageous it is to have people to work with for that section. Um, for sure. so we went into pipeline. It was the three of us. Um, and then basically like from the, I keep calling power line pipeline. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I yeah. know. The, I know that. But, too. um, once you get to uh, power line, there's really not much drafting until the finish. So yeah. It's kind of like this. There's a few races that happen out there. There's like the race to the top of Sugarloaf, the race to the top of Columbine, and then you get to the bottom of Powerline, and then that's when the race to the finish starts. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of like you hit Powerline and you just give it all you have, and you're basically everyone's on their own from there because it just splits up. You kind of have what you have on that climb. Um, so yeah, we were all pretty much by ourselves from that point on. <laughs> and so. I'm about to ask you this next question and, and, and it's going to be a weird one to answer, but I think it's a good one. Like you've been training with Keegan. Like, I mean, you guys are friends. You guys are really good friends, really good training partners. And it's, it's really, it's kind of cool to watch you guys train together and then go race the shit out of each other. <laughs> um, how do you beat Keegan? Do you think like, do you, I mean, you would think that you would have figured out like, yeah, hey, I know he can't sprint or I know he can't do this. And so it's like, do you, are you like, Oh, if I can just get him to power line, or if yeah. I can just get him to, to the finish, like, cause that little, little road section, the, you know, down at the end, like, how do you beat yeah. Keegan? Yeah. You know, it's, it's a puzzle I've been trying to figure out <laughs> quite yeah. a bit lately. And, for sure. Um, 
you know, like there's really not one solid answer. I'd say like, um, yeah, Egan's kind of proven he's a super well-rounded cyclist. He can sprint, he can do 200 miles of flat. He can climb like no other. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, I think like really you just kind of have to let, like he wants to go for the record this weekend. Yeah. Um, hopefully he blows himself up. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's how you beat yeah. Like you yeah. have to let him kind of ruin himself in a way. Like, yeah. Um, He's I, his own worst enemy. You, so you're just hoping way. he beats himself. Yeah. And like, yeah. you just have to hang on as long as possible and yeah. hope Keegan blows before you do. Um, but like, yeah, we trained together a bunch. Um, I've seen his weaknesses. I know he is beatable. Um, but on race day, he's just got like an iron sharp mind. He yeah. brings his A game every time. Like, honestly, before Unbound, um, he cracked a fair bit on our training block. Um, yeah. And I was like, oh, man, I'm going to get Keegan here. I'm going to ride him good for Unbound. And then shows up Unbound and kicks ass out there. So, yeah. Um, yeah. It's, um, it, we've been racing each other since we were like 15 or 16. We've known each other. Um, we used to go back and forth quite a bit. But these last few years, yeah, he's just figured out how to turn it on. So, um, hopefully, like my turn's coming soon. Just keep yeah, working and hard. Like, and <laughs> how do you guys, how do you guys keep the competition healthy, man? Because it's not like, it's not just you and Keegan, like you and Kerry Warner. I mean, I bet you and Alex Howes, like you guys have like these healthy relationships of wanting to smash each other. But I feel like you guys are like the top 10s all sharing a little bit of trade secrets. Like who the fuck, who, like what, who the fuck calls somebody and goes, Hey man, yeah, I'm going to try to you know, I'm going to set the record this weekend. Like that's my goal. And then boom, that just sets you up. Right. Like you're like, right. Oh, okay, cool. I'll just follow his wheel. Like, yeah. that's what I'm going to do. You know? And so it's like, it's like you, you guys are just like calling each other and laying out your tactics and just seeing what <laughs> sticks to the wall. So like, how do you guys keep the competition so healthy? And like, and I mean, it's kind of cool. I think, I think that kind of moves the sport in a cool way. Yeah, definitely. I think like, um, I think in a way it's just sort of our perspectives on bike racing in a way, like yeah. at the end of the day, it's just bike racing. Like, I value our friendship and like being able to train together and like the cool shit we get to do. Um, yeah. Not necessarily more than I do race winning, but like to me, just like winning the races and everything, like the journey yeah. to get there is just as fun. Um, yeah. And like, not to say that like, I don't want to win on race day. Like every day I show up to every race and you like, you have your plan to win and you want to win, but I just don't like, I guess I don't let wins necessarily define me. Like I'm, not happy if I get like beat and get second, but like you just say like, I gave it my best, um, try harder next time. Um, For sure. So in a way, like, I think it's just because we're not super competitive people in a way, like um, on the start line, like once you get on the start line, I think we all have like these different sides to us where it's like, yeah, I want to beat the shit out of Keegan on race day and I will chop him into a corner if I need to. Yeah. Um, but like we're friends at the end. <laughs> no, that's sick. So, and that's I think it's, cool like i do realize like maybe if i wanted to like i don't know maybe if i got mad at keegan or something that's how i need to beat him or something like <laughs> maybe maybe he needs to piss me off <laughs> i guess maybe that's something yeah. like that but do you think that like do you think that like that's what's actually pushing these times like do you think that's like actually like what's gonna that's probably what's gonna set the record is like you guys are all sharing tips and tricks and you know pushing i guess pushing each other to yeah do things that you've never done before yeah for sure i mean like a lot of that in training like we push each other like that's why we train together is because some days i'm stronger some days he's stronger and you you beat each other up but then on race day you come i think it makes you stronger um and yeah like going for the record this year i think um normally i'd be in a 
position where I'm like, all right, I'll, I'll help you. Let's both go for this. Yeah. Um, but like, that's his own thing this weekend. I want nothing to do with the record. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right on. So like, honestly, I like know how I need to race the race and going for the record. Isn't how I'm going to get the best result. I think. Do you uh, feel like there's just too much risk laying around it just with the grand prix? And like, if Leadville was it standalone, like, let's just say yeah. Leadville was it this weekend. Yeah. Would you have a different mindset for it? Oh, totally. Like my bike okay. setup would be different. Like I'm racing a bit of a conservative bike setup. Um, yeah. We were up there a few weeks ago and I was testing gravel tires on the full suspension. So like if I didn't have to keep this six race series in mind, for sure, I'd be taking a lot more risks for the one day. Like I'd race yeah. the gravel tires, um, put some like aero nub bars on and like be like, all right, Keegan, let's go all, all out for this record ride or die style um, yeah. and see how it pans out. But um, that that's not how I need to race the the race this weekend so gonna just kind of let him do his own thing so <laughs> so what is the bike of choice this weekend then what's the setup looking like um i'm racing the Evo. um last year i used the hardtail and i just yeah. felt like at the end um all the bumps kind of like it's never super rough out there but it's just rough enough that on the hardtail you get kicked around and i just felt like i didn't have much power like my lower back went out um, towards the end. So, yeah. um, I got my full suspension build up super light. It's within a pound of the hardtail. So I feel like there's no disadvantage to using it really this weekend. And I think hopefully it'll pay dividends later in the race when those like final positions are really sorted out. I'll still have a little more energy in the tank to lay down the power at the end. For sure. No arrow bars, no arrow bars, <laughs> no arrow bars. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think, do you think, uh, is Keegan going to ride arrow bars? uh no he's not no. um he's he's using they're called sq labs bar ends basically they're inner bar ends okay um, so they're like basically they make you pretty narrow still um but they're not full on arrow bars you don't drop into them or anything oh the ones that like are just in the middle yeah right okay yeah yeah, yeah. so it's like it's almost just like pegs from the yeah totally itself yep okay so okay. so that just like, kind of like brings your elbows in and yeah um brings your chest cavity a little in so yeah, um, I mean, you mountain bikers do crazy things too, like like holding on to the fork crown. I saw that was a thing for a while. Yeah, um, I wouldn't say that was a which thing. Which is pretty sketchy. A lot of people. That was basically like Christoph Souser is kind of the one who started that. And then, yeah. Yeah, Kate Courtney did it for a little bit, but it's actually banned now in UCI races. <laughs> yeah, I can understand it. I tried to do it and I almost killed myself. So. Yeah, there, there's really <laughs> no reason to do it. Like, yeah. And I don't actually think it's that much more arrow because you're so stretched out that you open up your chest in a way. I think like tucking yeah. in is more arrow for sure okay so, well cool man to... no no i'm stoked for you this weekend and and, and i mean fuck you even got steamboat yeah know, the next day and so like man. what is like what is like you finished leadville right and then do you already have like a meal pre-made or like are you just driving to steamboat like do you go get a burger like what do you yeah. live like a normal person like what do you do yeah i mean last year as soon as I finished Leadville, you're like, all right, it's time to recover. We have 140 miles tomorrow. <laughs> at like 4 a.m. Um, like you have to be yeah. up, like you have to be up super fucking early and then yeah. at the start line. It's insane. Yeah. So yeah, definitely like I'll have a pre-raised a meal pre-made, probably with a bunch of carbs, bunch of protein, um, rice and eggs is kind of my go-to. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, start driving the steamboat as soon as I can. Um, hitch Chipotle on the way and Silverthorne, get two burritos and 
throw that down the night two before. burritos yeah two, two burritos. burritos hell yeah yeah you have the pre-dinner burrito on the drive at about it was about <laughs> four or five o'clock and then you have your second dinner at about seven or so savage two <laughs> so, burritos all yeah, right just fill in the tank 150 pounds the two burritos probably weigh about as much as you do which is what makes that fucking awesome well, yeah i can eat when it's like <laughs> like i don't know i i just know the more i eat before these big races the better yeah. you feel so like no for no sure such thing is too much food really like yeah i mean eat until you feel like throwing up take a break and then eat some more <laughs> especially for a race like this honestly the worst thing is is like the amount of sugar just getting the gut rot like it's yeah. just so hard to to make the stomach feel okay but um but anyways man i don't want to keep you all night I, I got one more question for you and i didn't prep you with this one but I, i'd be <laughs> interested to hear what you say um if you could have a cup of coffee with one individual dead or alive who would that person be and then how would you take your coffee dang oh man yeah and see this is a fun one man because it just gives you that opportunity of like man you can you can literally sit down with anyone like just yeah. any, anyone cup of coffee with anyone huh you know, let's see. It'd be cool to have coffee with the first people who went to space, like Neil Armstrong or something. And just that'd like, be that'd be sick. Yeah. Yeah. Truly hear what that experience was like. Um, yeah. I mean, like, obviously you see the movies and know what it was like to get launched into space. But like, what is it like to sit in a rocket and just get strapped in and sent to the moon? <laughs> and be the like, first one to do it? Like, yeah, like, nobody's ever done this. So, yeah, so let's like, just st strap in and good luck. Yeah. Hope we make it yeah hope it all works out yeah. hope your seatbelt works airbags yeah. work no that for sure so how would you take your coffee uh definitely cortado like anytime i go to a coffee shop i appreciate a good cortado so cortado yeah. is the way to go all yep. right well sick russ thank you so much for jumping on the podcast this has been a long time coming dude and i honestly worked out perfect straight like right before leadville uh yeah, guys course, if, if you haven't already please make sure you hit that subscribe button go check out russ's social media make sure uh you go say hey to them and all that good stuff. And hey, come ride with us on Saturday in the group ride. Yeah, We're always sure. ripping. So we need some more people out there. It's been a little, getting it's, a little smaller the last few. And, and ever since Danny Pate left, and you can tell him I said that I don't talk to him <laughs> anymore. But ever since Danny Pate left, I feel like the uh, the street cred of our group ride has gone down. So yeah. hopefully, hopefully it bounces back soon. Yeah, I did see Nikki Terpstra was here training this weekend. So yeah, what's what's that about? Out there. Yeah. yeah, he couldn't come to the group ride, man. He just yeah. went and rode Pikes Peak, though, in the middle of the rain. That was pretty yeah. savage. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, nice. well, anyways, well, thanks, guys. We'll see you next time. Cheers.